I get a great night's sleep every night with my Sleep Number bed, and you can too. Like all their beds, Sleep Number 360 smart beds let you choose your ideal firmness and support on each side of the bed. Now with new responsive air technology, this bed senses your every move and automatically adjusts to you so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. Did you also know that Sleep Number beds cost about the same as a traditional mattress and last twice as long? Best of all, 91% of the owners recommend the bed. My sleep number setting is 90. My sleep IQ score last night was 82. It's time that you met the bed that does it all only at a sleep number store. Come in now and enjoy introductory savings of $200 to $400 on the sleep number 360 smart bed, plus ask about 48-month financing. There are more than 550 sleep number stores nationwide. Call 1-800-390-9100 or visit sleepnumber.com to find the store nearest you. And be sure to tell them... George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Let me tell you about our guest, Adam Bly, master's level therapist with a master's degree from Penn State University. Adam Bly is a church decreed expert on religious demonology and exorcism in the Pittsburgh diocese. He is an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists based in Rome, And over the last decade, he has helped educate priests on exorcisms and has assisted at many dozens of solemn exorcisms, house exorcisms, and resolutions of hauntings. A couple books out, including what we're talking about, hauntings, possessions, and exorcisms, Adam Bly, back on Coast to Coast. Good to have you back, Adam. It's that season, isn't it? Yeah, it is, George. It's great to be back and talk to you again. Adam, tell us exactly what is an expert on religious demonology? Well, uh, that just means that, you know, within the, within the Catholic Church, so from a, from a Christian viewpoint, um, I'm a recognized expert, and, and it's by decree of a bishop. It's something called a paratus, and that's just Latin for expert. They normally do that at ecumenical councils like Vatican II. But mm-hmm. In my case, because I'm a layperson, you know, George, it's, it's unusual for me to be training priests in this area, of course. Right. And so they wanted to do a way to kind of recognize that and formalize it. So I would, I would think, you know, my position is, is probably pretty rare um, just by the nature of me being a layperson. But that's, that's how it came about, so I can teach in seminaries and things like that. And Adam, over the past couple of years, hasn't the Catholic Church increased its uh, priests who are uh, exorcists? Yeah, very much so. Um, so what we've seen, you know, starting with the U.S. bishops at their at their annual meeting in, I believe, 2011, they had a special session on exorcism, and it was in the New York Times, and, and a lot of the media covered that because, you know, people were interested, like, why are you talking about this stuff that's from the Middle Ages, and is, is that really real? You know, is are these movies based on something real? And And since then... We've seen most of the dioceses in the United States set up programs. A lot of them already have them operating, and a lot of the others are forming. And, and as you probably know, George, you know, the popes have called for all dioceses in the world to have an exorcist you know, for a couple generations now. It's not a laughing matter, and it's not a game, is it? Oh, no, it's very serious. And you know, it's very serious to the people that are suffering and, and the families of the people that are suffering. And when you see this, you know, and we're very careful to 
to make sure it's not a medical problem or a psychological problem. All that is ruled out, and the church has always done that. But when you see this suffering, George, it's you know, it, it's a very serious thing. You know, the attraction is the images in the movies for the public, and, you know, that seems exciting and scary, and people focus on that side. But, you know, the serious side is, you know, there, there's there's a real human toll there, and so we're doing our best to try to help those people. At what point, Adam, did you get involved in this, and why did you do this? Well, I would say about 12 years ago, I was in graduate school studying studying the brain and looking at hypnosis, and I, I saw that the brain can produce false experiences. You know, people often have strange experiences as they're waking up or as they're going to sleep, and, and they often think that this is real, that it might be an alien abduction or, you know, something in their room. Mm-hmm. And there's other things like that, which I'm sure you've heard over the years. And so it started with an interest in whether the whole paranormal field that was emerging back then, is this real or is this just an artifact of the brain? And and that kind of evolved into being called in to help the church, you know, psychologically look at some, some situations. Um, you know, one big one at the beginning, it's been written up as, as a book now, so it can be talked about. And it kind of grew from psychology into the spiritual. Since, of course, The Exorcist and the work by William uh, Blatty, we haven't heard much about exorcisms within the church. Again, the story a couple of years ago that the church was increasing its members of exorcists, mm-hmm. but we really haven't heard about cases and things like that. Why do they keep it so quiet? Well, you know, if you think about it, George, if, if it was a relative of yours, you know, I'm sure your listeners can imagine that. What would it be like if, if the media were to, to find out about it? You know, think of that child in the, in the house, um, I believe, was it in Ohio? Baltimore. 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 The, the, and then, it went, then he went to St. Louis for treatment. Oh, no, I mean the more recent case, Oh, another one. Okay. The kid that went up the wall in front of the social worker. It, it was in the news in a big way when it happened. And, you know, there was, there was prayers going on for some members of that family. And, um, you know, it made national news immediately, and those people were, were put on TV. And I'm sure that's made their life difficult. So just imagine, you know, if reporters were on the lawn the next morning and you had a suffering relative that was going through this unusual problem. And, and that's why we're so careful to, you know, kind of protect their dignity and, and their privacy. And, okay, so when that happens, of course... Aren't there leaks? I mean, these are huge stories these days. Yeah, yeah. I think some people some people leak things about it, but really, George, the real cases, you know, it, there's a big difference between what people see in kind of the reenactments on TV about, about cases that maybe weren't actual full-blown possession cases, but something was going on. And, and so people, you know... They get excited about that. They talk about people getting scratched or, you know, they think something demonic is going on. But there's a big difference between that and a real case. And the people that are involved in the real cases often want nothing to do with this once it's over. Yeah. They have zero interest in talking about it or getting attention about it. They just want their lives to go back to normal. So basically the real cases, people, they're not inclined to talk about it. The people that are excited about this Usually that's not a real case. That was, by the way, in Gary, Indiana, where uh, the, yes, the little yes, boy yes, was a couple years ago. And yeah. uh, an amazing story. 
And yeah. apparently the Diocese of Gary uh, sent an exorcist there to try to uh, take care of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they summon you or consult with you? No, no. They they had somebody there that, that was qualified to look into this already. So um, I know priests who know that priest, and, you know, I, I heard kind of the back-channel update on the story, um, but, no, I wasn't directly involved in that one. Adam, what are priests that are part of the exorcists, exorcisms, what do they say about what they do? What do they think this is? Well, once you've actually been at exorcisms, you, you find out quickly that it's real, no matter where you're at. Is it scary? Um, uh, I would say it is scary at, on the human level. You know, that's a natural reaction. To, uh, once you realize, like, oh, this is actually real. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah, on the human level, it would be a scary thought. But honestly, what we see is there is no fear. So it's like God takes that away. If the people that are called into this, that's part of the grace that they receive to be involved in it. They, the fear just isn't there. And it's really interesting. Um, I've seen this play out even in people that are pretty timid in their regular life. You know, but that priest goes into that situation, and the strength is just there, and they find themselves not being fearful and just doing what they need to do. So it's a very interesting process. How many of these cases are actually possessions where demons are there, or the person is just a little mentally unstable? Well, I would say probably 60 to 80 percent of the phone calls that would come in end up being somebody who's misunderstanding something or it's a mental problem. And, and it's often not so much mental illness, but it's often misunderstanding. So somebody might be aging and elderly and starting to have some strange experiences. Hallucinating, maybe, things maybe, like that. Maybe a medication interaction, uh, maybe a, an infection. Some infections can cause strange experiences. And, and what has happened with the paranormal TV shows in popularizing all this that's an idea that's in people's mind. And so instead of saying, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm having a weird experience, let me call my doctor, because of all that media coverage, they think, oh, well, maybe it's a demon. And maybe it is, but usually the vast majority it's not. So we do a lot of work just kind of helping guide people to, to get things resolved. You always want to look at the mundane first. You don't want to jump to the conclusion right. that something's a demon. Not only is that a really scary thought to go to, but it you could leave something untreated. So, for instance, George, I had a, a case of a person who was seeing flashing lights as they were going to sleep every night. This was a young person that was just married, and they thought, they jumped to the conclusion that something strange was going on. And I encouraged them because it, it just wasn't adding up the details of the case. Sounds like a brain issue. Well, exactly. And you know what it turned out? They had an operable brain tumor on the part of the brain that deals with vision. Yeah. And because it was caught early... It was treatable, and they're fine. But if they hadn't gone to the doctor and assumed that it was a spirit, it could have, you know, been a much more serious problem. Gosh. Now, of the 20% that might be demonic, mm -hmm. what's going on with these people? I mean, what happened? Well, basically one of two things. Either they've gotten in trouble through their choices in their life, and that's, you know, dabbling with, heavy spirit communication, black magic of some kind, um, you know, getting involved in some, some bad spiritual practices where they've invited this into their life, or 
some of the people are affected by something their parents did or maybe an ancestor did. So they may not have done something, but somebody who had authority over them did. So sometimes we, we have to resolve problems that came from the previous generation. And the goal of the exorcist is to do what, primarily? Well, that's an interesting question, George, because, of course, the goal is to get rid of the demon, right, to get rid of the problem. But in reality, what you really see is God is allowing this because a person chose this thing for their life, or their family chose this thing. And so what God wants, it seems, is for the person to straighten out their relationship with God and, and strengthen that and focus on that as opposed to focusing on the relationship with this creature. And so it's not so much about us and the priest, you know, yelling at the demon, not that we yell, but you know what I mean, the, the image of that. Yeah. It's not so much about that. It's more about helping the person in their relationship with God. And when that is healed, the demon very quickly is out of the picture because it doesn't have a hold on the person anymore. Well, you know, it's a double-edged situation because you're right. On one end, you want to get rid of the demon and and exercise the person. Uh, But on the other end, and more importantly, is what caused this demon to possess this person in the first place because that person is still vulnerable even if you get the other demon out because they haven't been cured or fixed yet. Right, they have to close that door that they've opened. And so, yeah, exactly. What you see is they'll, they'll relapse. Two weeks later, you know, it's back, and now it's worse. And, you know, the Bible even talks about that. He talks about, you know, you kick it out, and it wanders looking for a place to live, and it comes back and says, well, here's this house is empty now, and I'll go back to where I was and bring seven more with it. So, you know, we're warned about that, and, and that's, in fact, what happens. So you got to you got to bring God into the house as opposed to just leaving the house empty. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.